This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM Budget 2024 special is brought to you by Marsing. BFM 89.9, good morning and welcome to Enterprise BizBytes. I'm Roshan Kanisan. The national budget was unveiled on Friday with by Prime Minister and Finance Minister Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim with the aim to empower the rakyat through an allocation of 393.8 billion ringgit with some obviously with wide encompassing implications as well. It sets the scene for future tax reforms that will align to the government's aspiration to be more inclusive but also I think overall budget rationalisation over the longer term. Some key initiatives include a capital gains tax for private companies for private listed for non-listed companies, a tax levied on profit from the sale of non-inventory assets will be placed on the disposal of non-listed local companies, and this will be a 10% rate. Uh, SST will be increased from 6% to 8%, though there are some exclusions to this end and expansion as well. We could see GLCs and GLICs allocate 1.5 billion ringgit to support startups involved in high-growth, high-value areas. There's also 28 million to set up my startup as a one-stop centre to support startups tax incentives to attract investment in the form of tiered investment tax allowances of either 70 or 10, 100% and tax incentives for investing in startups and angel investors until the 31st of December 2026, among many, many other things. Uh, today on BizBytes, we're going to be focusing on the SME side of things with some of the implications, including that capital gains tax. If you have any thoughts, you can let us know over on WhatsApp on our U-Mobile number, that's 018 Double eight double nine. You can also reach us on X at BFM Radio. Joining uh, us in the studio today to break all this down is Fong Mei Lin. She's the entrepreneurial and private business lead at PwC Malaysia. Uh, Mei Lin, a pleasure to see you again. Thank you so much for joining us for another budget. Thank you for having me today. So I think we'll start with the tax stuff. I think that's what people are paying attention to right now. Um, so... Malaysia, the Malaysia collects among uh, one of the lowest uh, taxes here in ASEAN with only just under 12% uh, compared, to GBD, uh, compared to GDP, where Singapore is around 12.6%, Thailand's around 6.4% to GDP. From next year, we could see a number of tax reform uh, or expansion methods. And one of these is the capital gains tax, which will come into effect from March 1st, which is a 10% rate on private companies, uh, on the disposal of private companies. Tell us more about the CGT and how you see it possibly impacting enterprises. Okay, it, it feels that not too long ago we were talking about the revised budget two to three, and now um, the uh, Madani budget two o two four shows the um, determination and seriousness of the government to raise the economic level of Malaysia and the rakyat despite the current global um, challenges. So we, we hope that the budget proposals, especially those that are directed towards boosting the SME growth, will take effect, you know, for, for, for their benefit, right? Um, this budget is consistent with PM's intention to revitalise the economy and get, if possible, all hands on deck, right, to, to, to boost the um, economy, increase growth, you know, have more high-level um, businesses. SMEs, on their part, needs to play their, their, their role in upgrading their, their business. We know it's easier said than done. Hence, um, we should take one step at a time quickly and, and move away from government reliance, not reliance on, on government in terms of you know incentives and grants and, and all that. So hence comes the topic of tax reforms, mm-hmm. right? It has been actually ongoing for a while. Um, the 
Malaysian tech structure has been there for more than like 10, 20 years. And I think, you know, the international ecosystem has changed. You know, businesses has also evolved. So Malaysia definitely needs to keep up with the times or risk being left behind. So one of the tax reforms, as you correctly mentioned, was the um, introduction of the capital gains tax. Actually, it was already earlier mentioned mm-hmm. in the previous revised budget, but this uh, current budget 2024, you know, gives a bit more um, sort of, you know, flavour to, to this uh, CGT, right? It will be imposed on net gains from disposal of unlisted shares by companies. So it, it affects the companies, not, not individuals. Right. So um, we know that the start date is um, 1st of March 2024, um, but uh, we do not have much details as to the mechanics of it. We know that it um, has ex- provided a couple of exclusions. So in order not to sort of adversely impact the stock market, disposal of shares relating to IPO approved by Bursa Malaysia are excluded. Um, internal restructuring within the same group is excluded and venture capital companies. What do you mean by, you know, internal restructuring, right? We, mm-hmm. we are waiting for more more details on that. You know, um, will uh, things like, you know, M&As, you know, between SMEs, will, will that also be excluded or, or, or not? More details are expected to be released on, on what that means. I think on our side, we have a lot of questions, <laughs> you know, for the government, like, you know, how, how does one report this gain? Will mm. it be part of your income tax returns or will there be a separate Mechanism. return, mm. you know, uh, for, for uh, capital gains uh, tax? Um, what happens if uh, you are a real property company? Because currently we have a real property gains tax act. So how will that sort of, you know, uh, complement or overlap with the, you know, RPGT, the real property gains tax, right? So um, how, how does a unlisted company value the shares? Will there be methods prescribed by the government? So these are some of the um, uh, details, you know, that that we look forward to and hopefully it will come sooner rather than later because 1st March is just less than six months It'll be here the next thing you know. (laughs) Uh, But thank you for providing some of those key points there, Amelia. And one one of the, I think, clarifying points is that this applies to companies, not necessarily individuals. So maybe angel investors may not be included in this, but more details to be provided later on in time. Yes, Uh, But there are some exclusions to all this. Uh, Knowing what what restructuring means could be really important to that. Um, The next thing that we have on the docket, obviously, is that one of the big talking points was the increase of the SST or the sales and service tax from 6 to 8%. Now, this is not across the board, uh, Malin. Some things have been excluded like F&B and telco uh, services. Um, what do these? What does this change entail and what kind of impact do you maybe foresee on businesses and prices and that sort of thing? Right. So, um, as, as mentioned, government looking at tax, tax reforms, the um, announcement of GST did not you know, come on. It was, you know, expected by, by a lot to, a lot many businesses to, you know, reintroduce GST. But uh, I think the government has very clearly said and outset they, they will not. So here we, we, we see um, efforts, you know, to, to help narrow the fiscal deficit. 
uh, from to about I think four point three percent of GDP in two to four and three percent in medium term. Mm. You know, from the current five percent right now. So we 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 think that this increase in service tax is meant to fill that revenue gap. Right, together with the luxury tax of uh, between five to ten percent on high value goods, um, that that has not been, you know. So, what what do you mean by high value good has not been specified? So, the um, increase in service tax, I, I think, may result in higher costs mm-hmm. to to both consumers and businesses. As logically, you know, if if I'm supposed to pay eight percent, two percent more, I will I will try my best to pass it down. The supply chain, if I can, and that that's the first option for certain businesses. Maybe they 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 may not be able to. They may choose to absorb it in order to make their sort of you know um, services or products more um, competitive. So we we I, th- I think at the end of the day. We, we understand where the government's coming from. They need to find ways to increase the coffers. We hope that the revenue generated will be put to good use back to the economic sector mm-hmm. where it needs most to generate the positive multiplier effect. And one of the things that we've seen here is the expansion to logistics as well. So if logistics start to see an increase in prices, that affects everybody, correct? Correct. So even if you exclude F&B, the supply chain for F&B is going to be yeah, impacted. So you need to bring the, the drinks, the, That's going the to be something to watch out for. And over the week, we're going to be exploring more of this with businesses, with SME leaders as well. So make sure to tune in every day from 12 to 1 uh, to learn more about the different implications of this. Um, we also saw uh, something that was quite interesting, an extension of the timeline for the rollout of e-invoicing. But at the same time, uh, Melin, the comprehensive imp- implementation target was brought forward. Uh, instead of January 2027, now it's July 1st, 2025. You sh- before this, it was a much more phased approach from 100 million to 50 million and so on and so forth. This is a little bit of an acceleration. Any thoughts to why this has been brought forward and the possible implications here? Um, the rollout of the e-invoicing is part of the government initiatives to, you know, get Malaysia into the e-reporting trend that most nations have already, you know, um, introduced. Like 80 plus countries have mm-hmm. e-reporting in some form or another. So what the e-invoicing model is for Malaysia is that, you know, the, the IRB requires companies to transmit data sets to them. And the IRB will, will know what sales are made, you know, what uh, revenues, you know, each uh, taxpayer will, will earn and in future what expenses where a tax deduction claim, you know, is, is to be made. For the Malaysian government, this is one of the ways to, to deal with the shadow economy where, you know, in, in the past, sometimes you see businesses having expense invoices where there is no corresponding revenue on the other side of the transaction. Right. So with the objective of increasing tax base and using technology to help the uh, growth of the economy, um, I, I think that the accelerated you know, uh, deadline for all the businesses <laughs> to July 2025, I, I think it's one of gov- uh, government's um, in- intention to get everyone on board quicker rather than uh, later. So we are waiting actually further sort of guidelines on this updated timeline to see how it will impact you know um, businesses and 
I think for SMEs, yes, it is an additional cost, mm. right? Um, you need to spend on the preparation. You need to spend on the IT to, to, to modify it, to allow for data transfer in, in real time. Um, but uh, from our experience, I'm seeing quite a lot of businesses starting to get ready, even though their start date could be in January 2025, you know, asking the right questions like, you know, uh, what are the preparation process I need to take in place? Um, what what are the IT changes that I need to, you know, take into consideration? And I, I think that's this, this should be viewed as an opportunity to digitalize the business, save time on compliance, as is expected that, you know, in, in the future, when everyone gets onto this e-invoicing, information about your transactions will be pre-populated into your um, business, your tax returns, the corporate tax returns. And um, it, it should make compliance with um, tax reporting much, much easier. Um, we, we hope that you know this will give a more uh, sort of positive impact to the economy. In addition to that, in this budget, there was also an announcement where capital allowance on ICT equipment mm-hmm. is accelerated from four years to three years. So we, we hope that this will go some way. It's not a lot, but it'll go some way to helping SMEs invest in ICT in getting ready for the e-reporting, e-invoicing initiative. Yeah, one of the things we saw a a variety of, this could help push digitalization, and we saw a variety of grants and financing related to this. Uh, I think the hope is one, yes, you increase digitalization and optimization, which will help with business productivity, but also, I guess, transparency and and things like that. There's a 900 million ringgit in loans for SMEs to increase uh, business productivity, another 100 million for digitalization grants of up to 5,000 for the benefit of more than 20,000 micro SMEs. SMEs. Um, what are some of the top line thoughts from the digitalization support initiatives and the financing, uh, Melin, and maybe how it compares to last year and the implications from all this? Um, there is definitely more digitalization effort since the, the pandemic. I think, you know, you can see a marked differences. People um, are, are more used to, you know, using QR codes, mm-hmm. you know, to make payments. More SMEs, even the, the market stalls have Q, QR codes for me to, you know, pay for my purchases. The key question here is whether all these digitalization and automation helps the ease of doing business and growth and at the end of the day, profitability for for the, you know, SMEs, right? Um, I, I think that more can be done for automation and digitalization to eliminate reliance on cheap and low-value labor, hmm. right? The whole thing about increasing the, um, you know, the quality of living in Malaysia is that businesses need to focus on high growth, high-value output, right? We are currently relying on labor a, a lot because our labor, I think, say what you may, is still cheap, mm-hmm you know, uh, compared to other, other countries, right? I think you have seen um, there was a, a bit of a commotion on, you know, foreign labour being brought into a country immediately after the, you know, the, the, the pandemic saying that the immigration measures were not enough, therefore affecting businesses and things like that. I, I think that that is a, um, a, a, a good option to, to, you know, have foreign labour in to get us back on our feet after the pandemic. But on the long medium to long term we need to 
focus on how we can achieve efficiency and productivity without using too much right. labor. Right? So, I mean, take South Korea, one of the top countries using automation, has about 1,000 robots per 10,000 employees. This is from statistica.com. Singapore has 670 robots per 10,000 employees. Unfortunately, I could not find Malaysia. I was going to ask, is, is it going to be like a, a really pessimistic number there? But, you know, I, I guess it just goes to show when we have uh, such a, uh, a spectrum where there are still folks who are maybe hesitant to use e-invoicing software is one layer, right? And we needed the pandemic to push cashless payments. Um, sometimes the carried approach to this, like, okay, here are some financing tools, some grants and things like that. Sometimes you need a bit of a further push. So hopefully e-invoicing acts a little bit of a catalyst to more digitalization. Uh, Melan, we've got to go into a few messages. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about outcome-based tax incentives. Could be quite an interesting discussion there. Folks, today on BizBytes, we're breaking down the key points and themes relevant to businesses from Budget 2024 that was tabled on Friday. I'm Roshan Kanison. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2024 special, brought to you by Marsing. Binge-friendly movies. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This BFM Budget 2024 special is brought to you by Marsing. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. I'm Roshan Kinnison and in the studio with me is Feng Mei Lin. She's the entrepreneurial and private business lead with PwC Malaysia. Malaysia. She's here to help me dissect Budget 2024, highlighting the relevant key areas for businesses and SMEs. Uh, Mei Lin, there was, one, uh, there was some interesting uh, incentives here and the budget focused on future investment priorities, uh, particularly focusing on high growth areas and value of uh, high growth and high value value business sectors so that will, you know, overall upskill the industrial sector um, because our in manufacturing industry's contributions have remained below 25% of GDP for some time now. So the results-based incentive approach is a new dimension that seems to use a tiered system in the provision of incentives. Companies will enjoy incentives equivalent to the commitments implemented and I'm sure there's going to be more details needed here in terms of how this will be structured. So to start off, the government plans to provide a tiered reinvestment tax incentive in the form of investment tax allowances of 70% or 100%. Um, tell us a little bit more about this and what we know so far and how this could benefit businesses. Hi, thank you. Um, to understand why the government is moving towards an outcome-based tax incentive, we have to understand what is the, um, the current uh, position right now. So for a... Um, say a local business enjoying tax incentives, you will be given, say, X number of conditions, say five conditions, right? In the current uh, regime, uh, if you do not meet any of the five conditions, the penalty is that your entire benefit could be withdrawn, right? To a local in investor and also maybe foreign investors as well, that may not be perceived as fair. You know, because I've, I've done my part. It's just that maybe one or two conditions I did not fulfill and you're drawing the whole, you know, tax benefit back from sometimes as far back as day one, right? So this, this results in a lose-lose situation for all parties, right? So the um, feedback from investors that, you know, um, sometimes 
situations change. You know, em- environmental, you know, um, uh, 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 factors, you know, needs to be taken into uh, sort of uh, uh, into consideration. Uh, sometimes I plan to invest X amount of, you know, um, machines, but maybe due to, you know, the market outlook, I can't, mm-hmm, you know, I, mm-hmm. I may need to change my plans, right? And I, I can't go back to the authority or agency, you know, each time plans change, right? So, as, as the, the long and short of this is that, you know, hence the um, the government has sort of come up with a outcome-based incentive. That means that depending on your outcome, I will, you know, we will decide what, what type of incentive you get to enjoy. So, for example, I the government gives the, uh, say, the domestic investor, say, five conditions. Then maybe after five years, the um, investor only meets three out of the five conditions. And up front, the government tells the investor that, you know, if you meet all five, maybe I'll give you, say, a 0%, mm. you know, tax rate. But if you meet four, maybe 5% tax rate. If you meet only three conditions, maybe 10% tax rate, right? So in, in a nutshell, this is a sort of an illustration of what the outcome-based incentive is. Of course, I'm, I'm simplifying things, <laughs> right? Um, so, you know, it, it's, it, it's that kind of thinking. So for SMEs looking to get investment incentives from the government, you need to change your mindset and uh, attune to this. I think the government has um, communicated in the um, National Investment Malaysian plan that, you know, um, there are certain sectors mm-hmm. they want to promote, certain high-growth, high-value sectors. The government is focusing on, you know, uh, foreign direct investments and domestic direct investments to to, to grow. The uh, recent MIDA um, publication for the first half of 2023 uh, showed that um, the government has secured about 132.6 billion worth of approved investments. About half of it are from domestic direct uh, investments, which was, I, I, I personally think that that's very, very credible because domestic direct investments usually lag behind in terms of foreign direct investments. But this year, it's half-half, you know, half foreign, half uh, domestic. It's resulted in 2,651 projects, creating potentially about 51,800 new jobs. So if you are a uh, sort of a, a business that falls under the high growth, high value, uh, for example, export-oriented, regional focus, um, you have innovation ideas within your business that's able to create a multiplier for the domestic industry, ESG is always a plus, right? You, you, you stand a good chance to, to qualify. So our, our message to the SMEs out there is that, you know, um, take note of the strategic direction that the government is, is looking forward and try to align your, your business directions towards that. And, you know, you, you could get some mm. benefits. Yeah, and I think this, this um, moving away from the all or nothing incentive situation helps to, because if you feel like, okay, I can't reach this, then no point doing anything, right? But if you do a scaled effort, okay, maybe I'll get 
some amount is supposed yes. to be nothing. So it's if you compare it to Premier League football, for example, <laughs> if I draw a game, I get one point. I get if I win, I get three. One point is still better than zero. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So um, uh, let's see whether this has an implication in terms of how the investment landscape changes in terms of FDI, but also uh, domestic investment as well. Uh, speaking of investment and high growth, high value, the government also wants to be in the top twenty for the global startup ecosystem by twenty thirty, and wants to make KL a digital industry and startup hub for the region. Um, what do we know about some of the initiatives that they are doing? And I guess, what does it take, I guess, to reach that aspiration? I think focusing on startups is important for many countries as the entrepreneurial um, spirit is needed to create value and to you know encourage innovation, right? So what is key in the um, startup ecosystem is the the you need to have infrastructure to nurture and and grow startups giving money by itself is only one part of the equation for startups to thrive there must be a supply side that means that do we have um, enough quality startups that have big ambitions to make an impact both in Malaysia and also overseas internationally Um, if not do we have a support system to, to guide them effectively. On the demand side, do we have the, the wide suite of investors that's able to provide the relevant skill, guidance, and of course, money investment to, to help them you know, um, achieve their objectives? And also in terms of the infrastructure, right? do we have a banking system that is flexible enough to you know, accommodate all these different ways that the startups you know pl- uh, intend to carry out their business model mm. is their ease of doing cross-border business, digital framework, right? Do we have a good and strong uh, digital framework regulation by the authorities? You don't want to make it hard for a startup to even start business, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know they have to comply with five, six, you know, authorities before they can even get. Not sort of go go towards the, the the starting line. So I've I've encountered quite a number of SME owners where, you know, they they have very um sort of lit financial literacy knowledge mm. in order for them to you know, um get get out there and say that you know this is what my idea means you know and this is how I plan to generate the you know the 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 sales and and all that. If, if you know the SMEs. Um, or even startups, you know, uh, are, are struggling in that respect. We we should we definitely recommend getting professional help, as your idea alone may not be enough to sustain your startup. There are, there are many angel investors out there who's willing to help. Yeah, and we're seeing some incentives there, tax incentives for. Uh, angel investors or individual investors to invest in startup companies through uh, equity crowdfunding platforms and even uh, an extension to the angel investor tax holiday, not to mention uh, more uh, budget allocations from uh, GLCs and clicks towards investing in this space. Um, are those are those funding announcements encouraging of the startup ecosystem or at least more encouraging than previous? Because it's not, we've heard this before. Uh, is it just an extension of the status quo as it is? Currently, uh, yes, what the um, Budget 2024 has is the uh, extension of the uh, tax incentives for the um, angel investor and um, the uh, equity public 
EECF, the Equity Public Funding uh, Platform. Um, the, uh, there is a slight expansion for um, the uh, venture capital's uh, incentive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like I said, per- personally, it's, it's about you know, um, bu- building an uh, ecosystem that's suitable for the angel investors as well as the startups to to thrive. Mm-hmm. I think tax incentive is just one part of the many, many moving parts needed. Now, we gotta, before we wrap up, we have to uh, talk about ESG as well because there were a variety of initiatives that came through, even uh, incentives for tree planting, which was quite interesting. But some of the broader strokes here are a variety of tax exemptions and deductions for sustainable and responsible investment, where the government plans to extend uh, tax exemptions to fund management companies that manage SRI or Sustainable and Responsible Investment Funds. Uh, additional tax in- uh, dedu- deductions will be provided for the cost of issuing SRI Cooks as well. We're also seeing uh, uh, more companies uh, being encouraged to participate in the voluntary carbon market by offering an additional tax deduction of up to 300,000 ringgit for expense, uh, expenses related to measurement, reporting, and verification of carbon projects. Um, tell us a little bit about the ESG related initiatives. Some of them I mentioned here, uh, Melin, and I guess is this. Uh, applicable to startups, uh, sorry, to SMEs, or is it meant for the larger businesses out there? Yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, things like the you know um, uh, to companies participating in the carbon market is more it tends more towards the larger mm. company rather than SMEs. Um, but as I say, in line with the government's aspiration to become a uh, carbon neutral nation by two o five o, and encouraging more more companies to participate in the VCM, the voluntary um, carbon market, I, I think they propose this further tax deduction because it's not cheap to you know get help to to you know learn how to measure, how to report, how to verify all this information, you know, in order to present, you know, to the uh, to the to the investors, you know, as to what what are you doing about you know uh, reducing carbon. Mm. So I think yes, more so for the larger companies rather than the SMEs. Um, but SMEs wanting to you know embark on this green agenda. I think uh, there, are, there are many, many ways of doing it. You don't have to go to the VCM <laughs> to, to you know, get that uh, uh, sorted. Um, for, for example, it's a, as simple as like, say, for example, you, you want to bid to become a supplier for a multinational group, say, mm-hmm. for example, right? And um, you need to understand what are the ESG requirements that the multinational group is, is looking at your customer. Right? What they're looking at is this, you know, things like good labor practices, being energy efficient, you know, where are you sourcing your raw materials? So these are some of the sort of, you know, um, items mm. that you can look at, you know, to go towards a more ESG friendly agenda for your, your business. Incorporate that into your operating policies, your people mindset, right? And, and you know, take small steps to get there because we know that, you know, to, to make a complete change, to be ESG friendly, sometimes it's not easy, number one, you know, uh, in terms of mindset shift, it's not cheap too. Mm-hmm. You've got to change quite a fair bit of, of things. So small steps is what we are sort of advocating. 
Was there anything else in the budget in budget 2024 to encourage SMEs to go green? Anything in particular that that came up? Yeah, there was a small uh, extension of the um, tax deduction on on rentals. So if say you're a company and uh, you need to uh, rent a, um, a a car for your employees, say for example, you know, tax deduction on on rentals of EV cars um, incurred is capped at three hundred thousand. Currently, rental on normal motor vehicles is up to a maximum of about 100,000 only. So this has been extended to year of assessment 2027, right? So it's, it's not a new incentive. This was announced in the previous budget. In addition, um, previous budgets have um, tax benefits such as um, 5 to 10 years tax incentive if you invest in you know, or set up a manufacturing uh, uh, company or business in uh, manufacturing electric vehicle charging equipment, uh, you also have 5 to 10 years um, tax incentive for new manufacturing projects or expansion or diversification projects for uh, things like assembly of energy efficient vehicles, assembly of next generation vehicles, um, making of critical components or systems for EEV and non-EEV, uh, manufacturing of components for hybrid and electric vehicles, components for next-gen vehicles, and also um, the more uh, simpler or, or usual green tech um, incentive like you know installing um, solar panels in, on, in your um, factory, uh, building, uh, maybe uh, changing to gas turbines or, you know, looking at biomass. There are various tax holidays um, uh, uh, for for those uh, kind of um, a- efforts and extensions uh, were, were given to them because the deadline was for applications submitted up to end of this year. Melin, to wrap up our conversation today, um, what are Briefly, what are three key things that business owners and entrepreneurs should pay attention to in this budget? Right. Um, three key things. I, I think as, as uh, the, the first one would be um, be consistent with the strategic direction of the government so that you can enjoy the, the, the support, be it you know grants, soft loan incentives. Right. The new industrial master plan has a section on SME's industrialization, where uh, the government is, is, is looking to build the local ecosystem. So you may want to familiarize yourself with, with what they are looking for. Number two, um, digital is the way to go forward. So um, invest in automation and upskilling your people because a long, long-term reliance on low-value, cheap labor is, is, is not going to be sustainable for a, a lot of um, businesses. I, I think it's, it's a vicious circle. And so you've got to find a way how to break that uh, by uh, incorporating uh, digital um, initiatives in parts to, to work towards the long-term view. Um, complying with ESG practices. I, I think this will not go away because it's, it's a global movement. You see other countries in Europe, especially those export-oriented you know, businesses, they will tell you that you know, they have to comply with Whatever, say for example, Europe, you know, has, has the standards on procurement. You must buy from, you know, uh, uh, if you're chopping down a tree, you've got to replant back that tree, you know, and, and, and things like that. So um, take note and incorporate ESG practices within your businesses because sooner or later, this ESG standard is going to come to our shores. 
and it's better that you be prepared for it so that you don't uh, lag behind, you know, in, in the short term. Mayland, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. We was, I was speaking with Feng Mei Lin. She's the entrepreneur and private business lead with PwC Malaysia. We were talking about key themes and uh, relevant parts of the budget for businesses and SMEs. Looking ahead, we've got the Breakfast Group replay happening after the 1pm news bulletin. And this morning, we had Datuk Johan Marikan. He's the Treasury Secretary General for the Ministry of Finance. And obviously, the talk was on Budget 2024. So you can tune into that to learn more about the budget. I'm Roshan Kainasin. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM Budget 2024 special was brought to you by Marsing. Reinvent spaces, enhance life. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.